The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Yeah, thanks to Paul Hazelby and also Damien Martin for the run home uh, with Hayes and Mardo. Returns again tomorrow between 3 and 5 here on SENWA. Great to have your company. Peter Vlahos with you. It's all thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre, where you get the right tool from the start. And let's hope that uh, this weather that's prevailed probably for the last three days starts to abate a bit overnight. And the reports are that Thursday will be nowhere near as windy as it's been since the start of this uh, working week. I tell you what has been interesting is Australia's performance at the Commonwealth Games. Uh, We finish after day five, 106 medals, 42 gold, 32 silver and 32 bronze. It's quite incredible, really. England, uh, 20 medals behind us, but they've picked up uh, 11 fewer gold medals, sitting at 31, 34 and 21, respectively. And then it's a fair gap to uh, number three, which is New Zealand, with uh, 13 gold, seven silver and six bronze. But still, the Kiwis have done exceptionally well. We're going to look at the fortunes of the hockey ruse and the kookaburras. Of course, hockey came into the Commonwealth Games in 1998, and the Kookaburras have won gold every four years, have not missed out on gold when it comes to the Commonwealth Games, while the Hockey Roos, uh, the women's team, have only missed out twice and were disappointing up on the Gold Coast four years ago. So we're going to look at the two hockey teams. One's in action, I think, right at the moment, and that is the Hockey Roos. They're taking on Scotland, and we'll keep abreast of that. Uh, Ashley Nelson, who played over 200 times for the Hockey Roos, and now a Channel 10 reporter, is going to join us a bit later on the program to see whether the incredible run from the Kookaburras will continue and whether the Hockey Roos can bounce back to gold at these Olympic Games in Birmingham. Before that, uh, there's a top-of-the-table clash in the WAFL. It is West Perth and East Fremantle up there at Joondalup. I'll speak to Billy Monaghan, the coach of the East Fremantle Sharks, a bit later in the program. But first, as I mentioned, a lot of talk regarding Eddie Betts. I know it was discussed right throughout the day today here on SENWA and on the run home with Hayes and Mardo, uh, with Eddie Betts revealing for the first time the trauma he felt after a weird and completely disrespectful leadership training camp that he attended as an Adelaide Crows player in the 2018 preseason. It's amazing. That's over four years ago. And, of course, it still reverberates uh, through not only the sporting community but the Australian community. He's releasing his new autobiography, The Boy from Boomerang Crescent. It's released actually today. And the three-time All-Australian says the secretive four-day camp held on the Gold Coast run by a group he has chosen not to name, left him feeling like a piece of me, was brainwashed. And he said at that uh, camp uh, that uh, sensitive Aboriginal cultural rituals offended him and jeopardised the well-being of other younger Indigenous players within the Crows. And this is what Mark Rusciuto, of course, a celebrated Adelaide Crows player, had to say today about that very issue in Adelaide. Look, it's sad to hear Eddie write that because he's been one of the greats at the football club. I'm not sure if there's anyone who's thrilled the crowd more than Eddie Betts. Mm. You know, Tony Modra's up there, um, and they're probably in those two are out in another bracket, really. Darren Jarman in the grand final. So 
unbelievable players at the football club and player welfare is is always number one no matter what's going on you always want everyone to be happy and all that so it's very sad that uh, Eddie's written that and I think the club's been on record at times to say that they acknowledge that it wasn't handled perfectly hmm. uh, it had all good intentions but it, it didn't go perfectly they so they acknowledge that but so it's sad to say um, and you know uh, we all love Eddie, and and hopefully Eddie's uh, getting over that. Um, and you know that was four years ago. Certainly, the clubs moved on from that and uh, looking towards the future, and have made uh, a lot of ground since back then. So, yep, it's come up in Eddie's book, and that's fair enough. And uh, as I said, um, hopefully Eddie's moving on as well, and you know the club can move on and uh, to bigger and better things. Yeah, I think Mark Rashudo makes a good point. It was over four years ago, and I think a lot has been. Uh, Posted and a lot has been said and changes have been made at the Adelaide Crows. Uh, but the fact that it's been brought up in the autobiography, it's opened old wounds and Eddie's been very honest about how he felt. And, of course, that's been addressed today. Of course, uh, Kane Corns, former Port Adelaide player, uh, born and bred in South Australia, also had his thoughts on SEN regarding what uh, transpired today. The question is that... All of the people that have defended the camp and said that there's nothing that's gone on, including the Crows fans, including Mark Rusciuto, including the club, what do they do now? After details have been revealed that you know Eddie Betts was abused about his mother on this camp. So the, the, the saddest thing for me is that, I tweeted this last night, for, for me the two most popular players at Adelaide are Modra and Betts. Like, no one made the Adelaide Oval stand up when they went near the football in Crows history like Eddie Betts. No one has been more popular if you're walking down the street. Who wants 31's autograph? It's Eddie Betts. So for me, and I know it's subjective and McLeod and Rashida and all of that, but that's the echelon that Eddie Betts has held in. To read how he was treated by his own football club, which he is an icon of, that was the saddest part for me. Yeah, and it was sad. There's no question, Kane Corns, but I'm not sure what you can do to change... The past. I don't know what you can do with something that transpired four years ago. Eddie's been very honest in his book. Uh, as I said, it's opened up old wounds and no doubt, hopefully, and I think Adelaide have moved on exponentially since that affair. It cost a lot of people their positions at the Adelaide Football Club and these sort of things will keep cropping up and we know the racism issue keeps cropping up. We saw what happened to Adam Saad across the weekend. Of course, uh, he was racially vilified across the weekend. The AFL is always going to struggle to stamp it out completely. It's a generational thing. And just like this regarding the Adelaide Crows, I think the Crows met it head on, did a full investigation into it, and uh, certainly adapted what they thought was the right process to steer themselves clear, knowing that it was uh, and it made a significant impact on the culture and certainly the credibility of the Adelaide Football Club. And we know what happened with Tex Walker just uh, over a year ago, and he's bounced back. Uh, He's been very apologetic. I think he's mended a few bridges, and he's now playing pretty good footy for the Adelaide Crows. But the thing is with the AFL is they're saying they're trying to stamp out racism, it's going to bob its head up every now and then. As I said, it's a generational problem. It's not as if it's going to be fixed overnight. Uh, The other thing that i like to maybe bring up is the fact that uh, Justin Longmill today, uh, they had training the Fremantle Dockers. They've got a pivotal match on the weekend. 
against the Western Bulldogs at Marvel Stadium. They need to win that to keep any hopes of a uh, top four spot alive. They haven't won in their last three games, two losses and that draw to Richmond. They trained in these uh, cyclonic conditions this morning and he was asked whether there was any benefit knowing they could be playing under the roof against the Western Bulldogs on the weekend to play in these conditions. Yeah, a lot of areas of our game we need to work on and, yeah, irrelevant of what we're going to play in this weekend, we can get a lot out of training. Have you had to restructure your, your planning for, for the, the sessions because of what the, the conditions are out there at all? Nah. No, no, just embrace the conditions. They, they present a different, obst- a bit of a different obst- obstacle and some different challenges, but we can still prepare the way we want to prepare. Given that you're not in the best form at the moment, does, does something different almost help the mindset a little bit that refocus it? No, probably not. No, I don't know whether we all like getting out there and, yeah, cyclonic conditions. <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, we'll just we'll embrace the conditions. Um, but we've been trying to change up a few things with with, the, with our prep. Um, but on the on the flip side, players <clears throat> are creatures of habit. They like routine and consistency as well. So we just need to make sure um, we're realistic with where our form's at. Um, you know, four weeks ago we beat St Kilda at Marvel. Um, we're nine points up three weeks ago <clears throat> against uh, in the last quarter against Sydney. Um, we drew at Marvel against Richmond, who have trumped that f- uh, form pretty well on the weekend, coming from 40 points down. Um, and we played a poor game on the weekend. So um, we're not in the form we'd like to be, but we just need to make sure we're, we're um, balanced with the way we frame up where we're at. Um, and what we need to improve on, and our players are really clear on that. So there you go. That's Justin Longmuir conducting the press conference today. As I said, uh, the Fremantle Dockers trained this morning in uh, pretty ordinary conditions. Uh, A howling breeze up to 60 knots. Uh, Rain coming down can be completely different when they play under the roof uh, against the Western Bulldogs at Marvel across the weekend. And just before we take a break, the other thing that's uh, surfaced today, you heard David Mundy on the run home with the uh, boys Paul Hazelby and also Damian Martin. There's been some conjecture and there's been some stories uh, circulating that David Mundy, as we know, was the best player for the Fremantle Dockers in that inept performance uh, last weekend against Melbourne. And there's still life in the old Fox, as they say. And now Luke Hodge, as we know, uh, was basically phased out of Hawthorne and ended up playing as a significant leader to try and help the rebuild at the Brisbane Lions. And people were saying today in footy circles, because David Mundy has still got some currency, and even though he may not fit in with the future plans of the Fremantle Dockers for 2023, because seemingly, and rightfully so, Frio can't carry Nat Fife and also David Mundy together in one team because of uh, the type of footy they play and, and the age bracket, that maybe David Mundy should be sounded out by the North Melbourne Football Club and go and help with the redevelopment and the rebuild at the Forlorn Kangaroos. This is what Luke Hodge had to say about that. No, no, I could. I could be wrong here, but he's a, he's a, a mid-forward. Um, played, that's where he's played most of his career. The reason why I was able to sort of fit into to Fags's process so easy because I played halfback pretty much my career. Uh, I understood the way Fags wanted to play, and it was a very similar system with a few tweaks to how we were playing at Hawthorne. For Monday going from a, a mid-forward over across to a new system, he'll be learning the system just as much as he's, he'll be learning the half-back role where he's got to try and 
teach, learn the players around him, but also help and guide the blokes in front of him. Um, I, I could be wrong, but I reckon that's too too much for a player to, to to move states, get to know the players, and learn a whole different position to what than what he's played and and a new system with it. Um, but in saying that, Dave Mundy has exceeded everyone's expectations. He continued to push through, and he's a bloke who doesn't lay down. So if he if he does move across, there will be a boost for, for North Melbourne. But I think it's it's a bit far. So there you go. Uh, there's Luke Hodges' uh, thoughts. Uh, by the way, you can join us any time here on the Tempera Bedshed text line 0487 736 736. Norman Kalgoorlie says, I'd like to see Eddie Betts uh, back in Kalgoorlie working with the Mines Rovers to improve uh, their form. Good on you, Norm. Uh, you can also join us on the Scarborough Toyota open line. You can call 13 12 55. You can sell your car to Scarborough Toyota. They buy all makes and models. And as well as that, uh, they service all makes and models as well. Not forgetting that uh, the Commonwealth Games, the Birmingham 2022 Commonwealth Games, live, free and exclusive on 7 and 7 Plus. You can download the 7 Plus app for your smart TV, mobile or tablet now. We'll do more on the Commonwealth Games in the second half hour of Drive here with Peter Vlahos. All thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmart, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Yes, and uh, just to let you know that the love is back. MKR is back. Join Nigella Lawson and Manu Fidel as they uncover Australia's best home cooks. MKR starts Sunday at 7pm on 7 and 7 plus. You're with Peter Vlahos. This is Drive. Great to have you here on the SENWA network, wherever you may be listening throughout Western Australia and here in uh, stormy Perth at 17 past five. I think by Saturday, all this rubbish weather that we've had will be dissipating and it'll be a lot calmer and nowhere near as wet. And I reckon Billy Monaghan, the coach of the East Romandle Footy Club, will be looking forward to that because at Pentanet Stadium up there at Joondalup at 2.40, this should be a beauty. Only two games being played in the WAFL this weekend. The other one, by the way, if you haven't heard, between Subiaco and West Coast has been shifted from the quagmire that is Leadable Oval to East Fremantle Oval, of course, where East Perth and Peel played last weekend. Billy, thanks for your time. No worries, Peter. Always good to speak to you. Can't believe the state of Leadable Oval. I know that the commission will make a decision, I think maybe the 8th of August. What have we got today? The 3rd. So maybe in about a week's time on where the Waffle Grand Final will be. I know they were eyeing Leadable Oval, Surely it can't go there with the state of uh, that ground. Of course, it can dry up by the time the Waffle Grand Final comes around. But if you had a preference, and it's only your opinion, where do you think the Waffle Grand Final should be this season? Because hopefully Eshramandal are in it. Yeah, look, I think everyone would love to have it at Optus, and and that's not possible, and and that's really disappointing. I think um, the state league players, the Waffle players, really look forward to the opportunity to play on the ground um, like Optus. So the, I think all of the other grounds that are in consideration had some pros and cons. And um, one of the hardest things is getting enough change rooms and facilities so that, you know, potentially six different clubs um, can be serviced on the same day. So sharing change rooms with opposition, like when we play after other sides, you, you can't get into the change rooms you know, until after half time, you've got to move a lot of gear around. It's quite disruptive. But 
as we've said all along, if if we are lucky enough to play in the grand final, um, which is obviously everyone's goal, we'll play it on the moon if we have to. Yeah, fair call, fair call. Uh, you're playing West Perth this week. You had that draw last week, the first draw of the WAFL season. I think the first draw in the waffle for about 10 years. But let me tell you, every year since about 2019, you and West Perth, that is East Mountain and West Perth, have had significant contests, which is interesting because you spent so many years up there at June Club. I think in 2019, uh, in one of the games, there was only about four points, I think uh, less than that. The fact that was only uh, 22 points separating you. In 2020, uh, there was a game where only four points separated uh, the two sides. In 2021, there was a game where only five points separated the two sides. And, of course, earlier this year, you took on West Perth and you beat them by two points. I tell you what, there's not much separating you two. And when you look at the premiership table, that's very much the fact because you sit one and two at the moment. Yeah, and you can throw in a pre-season match-up at at the start of this year where Jeremy Goddard in his first game for us kicked a goal after the siren to snatch a... You know, a two or three point win in a in a practice match too. So look, both sides are probably fairly similar. Got really good midfield that that run hard, um, multiple threats up forward, and and probably not big names in the defence, but both defences seem to get it done. Obviously, me and my match committee, um, we know the the players quite well, so you know it's pretty easy to scout um, what Aaron Black and and Keegan Knight and. Um, Shane Nelson and those guys do. I spent a fair bit of time coaching them, so I've got a pretty good handle on what mm. they bring to the table. Yeah, and that's going to be my next question. That, no doubt, is a significant advantage that you have. Uh, but saying that, you've been away for a little while, and probably Darren Harris has put his mark on West Perth uh, in recent times. Uh, he's a pretty wily coach, so I think the coaching battle is going to be one to follow as well. Yeah, look, Harrow's been... a you know, we're, we're both West Perth Premiership coaches. He's been through the AFL system, did a really good at, job at Claremont. He's now he's back at West Perth. Um, you know, he's, he's always got a trick or two up his sleeve. And, you know, like you said, whilst I know a fair few of them, there, there's a few new things that they do and a few new players there that I've got to get my head around. But, you know, we're pretty confident um, if, we, if we bring our best stuff to the table that we're able to match it with, with any side and... and Hopefully the weather's fine and, and there's a good crowd up there and the game befits a 1v2 um, because it's starting to get um, pretty tight at the top and we're going to take all our opportunities that come along. Mm. You would have been disappointed a fortnight ago to go down in the derby to South Fremantle, but you bounced back in uh, real good form last week with a, a big win over the hapless Perth footy side. And, of course, it was good to see a couple of your star performers. Blaine uh, Bokehurst, of course, didn't play in the derby, but he, he returned last week. He's such an important player for you, isn't he? Yeah, we're really disappointed with the with the derby. Um yeah, especially the first quarter and a bit. We were okay after that, but the horse had already bolted. You know, like most sides, we've had a, a fair number of players in and out and we missed Blaine in that game. Um, he was back last week. He was super. Um, you know, Kyle Baskerville and Josh Schoenfeld are back in the side now, hopefully building towards a little bit of form. Um, so, look, we're, we're going to put a good side out there on um, Saturday and I'm sure West Perth will and, and it should be, like I said before, it should be an exciting game and one that's worth watching. What's interesting, and we've seen it in the AFL, how important uh, fast leading 
And, of course, uh, contested marking forwards play in the importance of a game. We see it at Geelong with Hawkins and, of course, Cameron. And, and we see it with the likes of Curnow and et cetera in, uh, in the AFL. But saying that, you know, you've got Jonathan Marsh. He's having a terrific uh, season. Kicked five goals last week. Uh, Tyler Keitel, Keegan Notton, these sort of players always kick goals for West Perth. I gather the midfield battle in itself is going to be so important because supply is going to be important on, uh, on Saturday. Yeah, I think the game is probably turning back a little bit to more towards an offensive brand, just with the stand rule and the, the six 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 rule. Um, so the ball is generally moving a bit quicker into the forward line. So I think the the forwards are starting to come back into their own. Um, but the basis of footy hasn't changed much. It, the contested possession, the clearances, if you can get on top of those and, and play the game in your half, the way the guys defend now um, all over the ground, but, you know, the forward 50, if you can get enough supply in your forward line and, and pressure the opposition, then you should create enough scoring opportunities. And then it's a matter of slowing the opposition down when, when they've got their their chance with the ball. And, and again, both sides run really hard through the, the middle. The, both have got, you know, three or four really top quality midfielders and um, that should be an intriguing battle. Uh, Jed Hagen made his debut for the Sharks last week, kicked a couple of goals. Uh, tell us more about him. For more reports, it was a pretty good debut. Yeah, it's a pretty good day to debut when you win by nearly 100 points and your side's getting 70 inside 50s and you're a small forward. So <laughs> it's probably you probably couldn't ask for much more. Um, but, you know, he's, he's an exceptionally talented player. He's, uh, we say that, right? There's, there's not a lot of him. He's, he's not... A, an overly big kid, but what he is, he's, he's very crafty. He understands the game very well. He reads the game very well. Um, he's had some good tutelage. While he was up in um, Geraldton, Harry Taylor and him have worked a lot of one-on-ones. Harry's a huge rap for him. Um, so, look, he came in and, and he played a fantastic game coming off the back of a really good 18s carnival that we're expecting him to, to make All-Australian. Um, he's in the AIS, so... There's enough talent there. Still 17, still learning his craft. Um, you know, we've been pretty open and honest with him this week. Is that's not what league footy's like every week. So expect it to be a bit tougher this week against the good side, and um, he's going to get a little bit more attention, and he's going to have to fight a bit harder than he did last week. But we're wrapped with his his first up performance. You've got a few regulars out. How many of those will return in uh, leading up to the finals now? Oh. We've got a fair few on track, whether they play this week or not. Um, Jeremy Goddard has been out suspended, so he's had a, a really good block of training over the last couple of weeks, so he'll definitely come back in. Alex Montaban's due back. Jamie Mead's pushing hard to um, be back in this week. So, you know, we're looking at there's probably three guys that will come back in. Um, a couple of guys will come back through the twos. Dylan O'Reilly and Tom Monaghan are coming back um, through the reserves, and um, we haven't quite finalised how many minutes they'll play. They'll, we're hoping that we can get nearly full games out of them and they were available after the bye. Mm. And then after the bye, which is you know, a couple of weeks, we've got Max Murphy. Um, he's due back after the, after the bye. So that's probably six or seven. Yeah, it's a fair number. Over. It's a fair yeah. number. Yeah. yeah. And, now, and it's got to put a bit of squeeze on selection. So that's, that's a good problem to have, but it's not overly enjoyable. 
Now, let me tell you, uh, it's not overly enjoyable sometimes when you're an opposition supporter, and I've experienced it. I'm, I'm not a player, but, you know, I, I've got a soft spot for East Perth because I grew up with them. Fair dinkum. Those Falcon feral supporters in that grandstand, Jimmy, uh, Billy, I'm talking at Jimmy Williams here because he's my producer. He's a big West Perth man. Do they give you heaps when you return to Joondalup after coaching them for so long? Oh, when when you're a premiership coach, I'm assuming, <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming this. I get welcomed back with open arms. Oh, please, uh, Billy, eh? No, no, they, they do. I, I was actually out for lunch the other day with former President Brett Raponi and former Vice President Richard Holmesney, and, and then we went and saw Simon Goodwin when he was in town. He did a... He did a talk in the morning, and yeah. I said to I said to Richard, "You're being really nice to me." And he said, "Well, you you are a premiership coach, so we'll forever be grateful." So I think, look, I I wouldn't listen to the Ferals anyway, if that's what you want to call them. <laughs> um, that's what I thought. That's what East Perth um, supporters were called by everyone. Oh, else. here but, we go. Here we go. Uh, uh, no, look, I enjoy my time up there. Um, you know, I. I'm always happy to go back. There's some really good people up there that are still up there. So I, I'd like to think that they'll give me a little bit of stick, but they'll be respectful. Oh, you've done a great job. Really have done a great job. It's taken a little bit of time at East Romano, but you've built them into a, a real force in the WAFL. It's exactly what was required. Of course, a proud club with an enormous history and are currently sitting just two points off top against West Perth. You beat the Falcons on their home patch on Saturday, and you go back to the top of the WAFL ladder with only a certain amount of games remaining. Congratulations, Billy, on what you've achieved, and good luck for what promises to be a standout game on Saturday. No worries. Thanks a lot, mate. Bye. Got, got on you. Billy Monaghan, the coach of East Fremantle, joining us here on Drive with Peter Vlahos. Uh, great to have your company. Uh, we're here for Toolmart, the complete tool centre. And as I mentioned, you can join us anytime on the Temperate Bedshed text line 0487 736 736. Who are the worst supporters in the WAFL? I reckon it's West Perth, personally. I reckon West Perth. Now, Jimmy, Jimmy's swearing at me through the glass here as the producer. Every time I've gone to Joondalup, God, I've copped a bit. Gee whiz. Uh, especially, well, who's that fella that has been there for years and he's got the scarf and he always gets up and he leads the charge? West Perth. West Perth. Of course, one of his... Um, sidekicks, and I can't recall his name, but he was a lovely fella, passed away about 12 months ago. And, of course, West Perth paid their respects to him. But he was there, was there rain, hail or shine. But there's still one remaining. I can't remember what his name is, but he gets them going. Don't worry about that. Uh, 5.30. Now, we're going to take a break. Come back with more in a moment here on Drive. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Drive with Peter Vlahos on this uh, Wednesday. Of course, uh, AFL Teams Night tomorrow night. Kim Hagdorn will join us in the studio. And you can see all the Commonwealth Games action on 7 Plus. Watch event replays, minis, uh, trending highlights, and all the best action on demand. Plus, keep up to date with the medal tally results and event schedule. It all happens uh, on 7. All right, uh, let's look at the Commonwealth Games and in particular the two hockey teams, that is the Kookaburras and the Hockey Roos. And joining us is an outstanding player, played over 200 times for the Hockey Roos, has won two Commonwealth Games gold medals in Delhi and in Glasgow. We're talking to our, our very own Ashley Nelson, who joins us also now working, as we know, uh, at Network 10. Ash, thanks for your time. 
Thank you very much. Good timing as well. The Hockey Roos girls just got the win over Scotland, so ah. through to the semi-finals. Can't get much better than that. Yeah, I was just going to ask you there because uh, they were playing Scotland and they're now through. So that what that means they've sealed top spot in their pool. Yeah, they've sealed our top spot. The amazing thing is in four games, they actually haven't conceded a goal yet this tournament. So uh, they're flying at the moment. Uh, probably expected to be top of the pool, although New Zealand uh, were strong competitors. Um, but it seems as though they'll, they'll come up against uh, potentially India. I think it might be in the semi-final who knocked them out in the Olympics. Yeah, interesting. But saying that, with the current match against Scotland, uh, Scotland haven't been really uh, pushovers, haven't they, uh, in in recent years? And, and I think the last clash they played, that the, the uh, Hockey Roos may have won by two goals to nil. So it would have been certainly a match that they had to be on their guard. Yeah, it's, they're certainly very competitive. Scotland, um, they're, they're fierce competitors. They've got good basics. Uh, generally, um, it's sort of one of those games where if you get on the board early, you can sort of blow the game out. And I think when we were competing against them last Commonwealth Games, it was a, a relatively significant score. But um, they did well. I would certainly say that the Hockey Roos had the lion's share of uh, possession and also opportunities. Um, just Scotland defended relatively well. So the goals that the Hockey Roos did get were quality goals, uh, but probably they would have wanted a few more on the board just to make sure that uh, there wasn't that tense finish at the end of the game. But they got there in the end. Ash, let's go back to the history of the sport at the Commonwealth Games. It was introduced at the uh, Games in 1998 in KL. And since then, as we know, the Kookaburras have won gold every four years at the Commonwealth Games. Their domination has been quite incredible, hasn't it? Yeah, the Kookaburras have been uh, very dominant. I think between the two teams, it might be a total of 10 gold medals. So the Kookaburras win every single one, that being six. And the Hockey Roos managing to have four gold medals and uh, losing a couple of times, of course, most recently at Gold Coast um, against New Zealand. So no doubt uh, the Hockey Roos will be wanting to re-establish themselves as one of the best Commonwealth countries. But uh, the Kookaburras, they're flying at the moment, uh, Pardon the pun, um, but uh, certainly um, when you take a look at the, the nations that they're competing against, they go in as heavy favourites. And I mean, that doesn't mean that you're going to walk away with the gold medal every time. You have to sort of uh, wear the, I guess, responsibility and the pressure that comes with being gold medal favourites. And the, the Kookaburras have managed to, to do that. I really can't see anyone knocking them off this tournament either. Um, they've just got such scoring prowess, whether it be field goals or the ability to score on penalty corners as well. So it puts them uh, in good stead. But, you know, India on any given day can come out in the men's tournament and uh, really give Australia a good run of, uh, for their money and potentially uh, England as well. Interesting when you look at the Kookaburras. Of course, they were broken and bewildered, weren't they? Um, uh, it was an incredible image when they lost the gold medal match to Belgium at the Tokyo Olympics in the harshest way possible through a penalty shootout. And, of course, that always hangs over uh, mm. certainly a sudden death uh, final when it comes either to the Olympic Games or the Commonwealth Games. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a, a token token cliche, but we always say it's a great way to win and a, a really sucky way to to lose. And uh, the last few times as a hockey roo that went to the Commonwealth Games, um, both of our gold medal matches were done on penalty strokes at the time at India and uh, also one-on-ones when it got to, to Glasgow. And so we were just lucky to be on the, the positive end of things. But for the Kookaburras at the Olympics, um, really, when you looked at it, even though a lot of people would have said that they're gold medal favourites, they were going up against Belgium, who were the informed team at the time. 
they were the silver medalists from the previous Olympics. So they had that experience. They'd been there. They had done that. They knew what it was like to essentially lose that gold medal. And um, Australia put up a really good contest. But I think when you look at the performance at the Olympics, um, Belgium probably were the worthy winners. And the Kookaburras would have reflected on that and know that they need to be better. So hopefully uh, it puts them in good stead uh, come the Olympics uh, in Paris. Looking at the hockey ruse again, as you mentioned, they've just beaten Scotland and they finished top of their pool. Of course, they dealt with that intense uh, fallout of that independent review that revealed uh, in somewhat a dysfunctional culture within the women's national high performance program that in the end saw coach Paul Gordon have to step down. Now, that was in the past and both teams are now up and going again. So this is the first stop, isn't it, for the Hockey Roos, Birmingham and the Commonwealth Games to make sure that everything has been rectified and nothing better than a gold medal will show that it has. Yeah, well, I think that they've proved themselves already, to be honest, um, Peter. Just with the World Cup recently, a lot of the Hockey Roos uh, were probably uh, being deemed as uh, inexperienced and uh, perhaps didn't necessarily have the, the potential to uh, medal at the World Cup, given what had happened in the fallout and the introduction of a new coach and also a relatively new team as well. Um, that sort of happens after an Olympic cycle. So I think a few people had written the Hockey Roos off, uh, particularly around the, the defence as well, because that was quite new. Um, but they proved themselves at World Cup coming away with a, a bronze medal and they performed really well. They managed to fight back against Germany to win that bronze medal. So I think that was the first stop and they would have taken a lot of confidence out of the World Cup. Um, the teams that they were going up against were a high calibre of teams comparatively to those that they faced at the Commonwealth Games. So uh, this is probably one where they're heading in as favourites and it's a new challenge having to deal with that that favourites tag and have a bit more pressure. When they went to the World Cup, I guess the world was their oyster. They were able to play uninhibited hockey because people didn't really have that expectation. And, and Trini Powell, the new coach as well, was just wanting them to sort of try the uh, new format, the, the new style that she was wanting them to play. And obviously it's paid uh, dividends. But, you know, just watching Trini on the, the sideline time and time again, you can just see how positive she is. You can see the relationship and the rapport that she has built with the girls. Um, it just really seems like a, a happy place to be at mm. the moment. And uh, it's it's nice to, to see that after what sort of went on uh, the last year. And uh, credit to the girls, credit to Hockey Australia as well for being able to, to turn that around. So, Ash, as we let you go, and, of course, you've got two great Commonwealth Games gold medals to show, uh, as I mentioned, from Delhi <laughs> and Glasgow. By the way, I saw Rachel Lynch, uh, your good buddy, the other day. She came into the SENWA yes. studios. Uh, great to see her. She did. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, no, she's got a few medals there to show off as well. And uh, I think, you know, after what sort of happened with her and missing out initially on the Olympics and being dropped and um, having to find her way back into the Olympic team, she's happy as well to see the group really uh, fit and firing and happy once again. So if you get the chance to sort of listen to uh, her speak at SEN, an inspiring story, certainly was uh, a wonderful um, interview to listen to. You all speak so well, you hockey roos, you know, yourself <laughs> and Rachel and Georgie. <laughs> I mean... Um, we get plenty of practice. Yeah. We get plenty of practice. Yeah. Okay, uh, just one final question. You've got the Olympic gold is the, is the ultimate. Uh, what's next? Is it the World Cup or the Commonwealth Games gold when it comes to hockey? No, definitely World Cup. I think Olympics and, and World Cup for hockey players are sort of the, the pinnacle, um, particularly when you look at the calibre of teams that you have to beat during the Olympics and uh, the World Cup. I guess when it comes to a multi-sport event 
and the hype that gets built around the Olympic Games, uh, that might be the pinnacle. But, you know, winning a World Cup means that you're going to have to, to beat Holland, you're going to have to beat Argentina, Germany, um, probably the teams that uh, are synonymous with um, strong hockey performances across the world. So, yeah, certainly World Cup. Even a World Cup uh, bronze, I think a lot of girls uh, will look on that pretty fondly. Um, even if they walk away with the Com Games gold medal. But doesn't mean that the Com Games isn't important. It's uh, certainly a great opportunity to play international hockey and prepare yourself for uh, the Olympics coming up. So I think the girls will be relishing the chance. And as we say goodbye, are you forecasting double gold in hockey? Double gold, double gold. Yep, lock it in. Okay, good on you. Ash, thanks for joining us, mate. Of course, people can catch you right across everything that's happening in sport on Channel 10. You're doing a great job. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much. Okay, uh, Ash Nelson, uh, former champion uh, Hockey Roos player. Over 200 appearances for the Hockey Roos. Uh, stems, of course, from Wagen, uh, country lass uh, who went on to wear the green and gold. And as I mentioned, has played at Olympics and also uh, parades a couple of Commonwealth Games gold medals from Delhi and Glasgow. We're going to take a break, come back with more in a moment. As I mentioned, you can get it uh, involved any time on the Temper at Bedshed text line at that number 0487 736 736 or give us a call on the Scarborough Toyota open line 13 12 55. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Of course, tomorrow night, Kim Hagdorn joins us in the studio and we look at the AFL team selections. As we know, a big weekend for the Fremantle Dockers. They take on the Western Bulldogs. It is the uh, Saturday afternoon game there to be staged at Marvel Stadium. And as we know, it's a big one here on Sunday. 2.10 is the start of the match. The West Coast Eagles uh, taking on the Adelaide Crows. Uh, Josh Kennedy's farewell game. And I reckon they'll come from far and wide to uh, pay their tributes and say farewell to one of the Eagles' greatest. Uh, Josh Kennedy uh, says farewell to AFL football on uh, Sunday afternoon. And I reckon all the football world will be watching around the country to see how he does go. So we wish him uh, the best of luck. And uh, I gather he'll just take it in his stride. He seems not to get too phased. Even yesterday at the press conference, no sign of emotion I think he'd resigned himself to the fact that it was his decision. He thought the timing was right and he's going out uh, in the best way possible. Uh, he's limped to the finish line with that uh, bung knee and he's going out in the final home game of the season for the West Coast Eagles in 2022. So good on you, JK. Hope it's a great game. And uh, you'd think that the West Coast Eagles with that would want to make sure that they get up and uh, give... JK, uh, a winning feeling, a winning sensation for the final time against the Adelaide Crows at Optus Stadium on Sunday afternoon. Another interesting game is uh, Port Adelaide. They take on Richmond. Of course, Richmond are trying to scrape enough points to make sure they play finals football this season. But there's been a bit of conjecture regarding the future of their star forward, Jack Revolt, who's played 322 games for the Tigers. He's a three-time premiership player. Uh, also a three-time All-Australian. He's won the Coleman Medal also three times, a couple of times fairest and best at the Tigers, uh, winning the Ian Stewart Medal. Uh, and he, as I mentioned, he's notched up some 322 games and a career that spanned a decade and a half. And he was questioned on AFL 360 last night whether 
he would go around again. And what is his future? It's round 21. What's happening? I don't know. No, I don't, I don't know. I think it's when you get to the, well, later in life, you become probably less of a priority in terms of where the club wants to go. So, it, like, it'll get to a point and if I want to play on, the club will go, hey, this is how much money we've got. Do you want to play on? And the answer will might be yes or maybe no, but it's just me weighing up what I want to do. Have you earned the right to make the decision or does the club say to you, Jack, you're in trouble? Well, I think... I'm pretty realistic with where where I'm, I'm playing at the moment. Like I, I feel like I'm still pretty serviceable with with how I'm playing. Um, I feel like I'm a really good foil for Lynchy. In terms of key forward depth, we don't have a lot at the moment, um, so I'm pretty pretty sort of forthright on the club pushing to get some try some guys at key forward uh, and also maybe draft someone as well. Um, so I mean, it's more more the point that if they feel like they need me, then more than I'm, I'll obviously put my hand up. But um, if they say maybe there's another person they'd like to play there, then I've played for 16 years. It's a long time. I'm pretty excited about what's on the other side of the. What's on but the you're other playing side. well enough. I mean, a lot of people know it's over. A lot of people don't. They get pushed. But a lot of people know it's not yeah. over. You I'll use Josh Kennedy for example. Josh Kennedy said today that he said. He would love to keep playing, but his body's letting me down. At the moment, I'm probably in that same position, but my body's still there. So, And it can come pretty quickly when you get to 33, 34, but um, I still feel like I'm doing all the right things. Yeah, I think he wants to go on. And uh, Jack Revolt actually turns 34 in the last day of October. There you go, Halloween, he does. Uh, on the 31st of October, he turns 34 years of age. But it looks like he'll go through... Another year. Just some news regarding, of course, the Eddie Betts situation. Uh, the AFL Players Association has just come through, has effectively reopened their investigation into Adelaide's infamous 2018 preseason camp amid fears that some Crows players were pressured into remaining silent about the ordeal. It's the uh, in the wake of that damning allegations by Betts in his new autobiography, The Boy from Boomerang Creek. The AFL Players Association said it would be contacting all players involved in the camp to seek a better understanding of what occurred during the trip. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. Of course, Paul Marsh is the CEO of the AFL Players Association and said he was concerned by the number of factors, including the lack of psychological safety after Betts revealed players were subjected to the Richmond theme song, playing repeatedly while training and personal information disclosed to camp counsellors was used as part of the verbal abuse slung at players. Who organised this camp? Unbelievable what's transpired from it. One of the worst decisions in the history of sport, uh, that camp, that pre-season camp that the Adelaide Crows undertook. Now, on a lighter note, before I let you go, Nick Kyrgios is back in the news. Do you want to hear a bit about Nick? Well, let me tell you, he was up to his usual tricks in Washington. Uh, he scored a first-round win over Marcos Giron at the Cincinnati Open. Now, the Australian cruised to victory in his first singles match since losing last month's Wimbledon final. He won 6-3, 6-2. Now, serving on match point, what Kyrgios did, he walked back to the crowd, he engaged in a chat with a spectator, known for asking fans, where should he serve? And he looked like the Camberian was doing just that. The advice clearly didn't hurt as he wrapped up the proceedings. He blasted 12 aces and lost only 12 points off his own racket. So he went to one of the patrons and said, where do you reckon I should serve to win the match? And they said, there, 
And he did exactly that, and he won the match. Good old Nick. That's why the fans love him. Hope you've enjoyed the show. Back tomorrow from 5 here on Drive. Thanks, Lee. Thanks, Jimmy. And uh, stay safe if you're driving around the Perth metro area tonight.